This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Lou Roberts. This is Tyrese Campbell. And you're listening to the Every Step Along The Way podcast. Hello everybody and welcome back to what proved to be a uh, interesting episode even by by our standards of every step along the way. Yes. A uh, uh, weekend to look back on with much hurt and pain I feel like. Yeah, just a bit. I mean I mean there's, there's defeats and then there's the manner of defeats which I think is what people have had a lot of a lot of problems with Dan, if I'm honest with you, over the weekend. We all expected to lose. I don't think any Stoke fan, no matter how ambitious, surely was expecting anything other than a bit of a battering. I know I said 4-1. Um, I would have 100% taken 4-1, but I, I think it's just... it's Again, we'll, we'll dig into it. it. It's the manner for me, Dan, that we gave up the ghost, if I'm honest with you. And... You know, there's been a lot of things said over the weekend. There's been a lot of things said in our messenger chat on Twitter. Uh, it will never be X, so I don't care. It's Twitter, and you know, various different places. And I think people, I think people were not disappointed. I think people were angry uh, about where we find ourselves at the minute. And I know you're a glass half full type of person. Um, and I'm going to try and be as I'm going to try and be as as kind as I can, but I've got to call it how I see it. And we're in serious trouble, as far as I'm concerned. If we do not get the next couple of games right, we're in big, big trouble. Yeah, uh, you're probably not far wrong with that. These are two massive uh, games coming up, and because the running purely because the running games after that is really going to leave us in the mire. If we if we can't get results against Blackburn and QPR, um, then yeah, we won't have much joy. I don't think in the five six games that follow and. And by the time we get some more winnable games or some games that we'll be looking on uh, as um, crucial games and that, you know, it's at the point of the season where your Huddersfields, etc., that, that we will be playing, the Sheffield Wednesdays and that, they're going to be right up for it because they're going to have to be. It's that crunch time of the season. And if we are in a relegation battle, which you know I don't think there's any, don't think there's anyone who can say we're not right now, you know, in two games' time, 
maybe not, but right now we are. And I don't, I think what you need is you need fighters and you need people who are going to get stuck in, roll the sleeves up, which possibly rules out certain members of this squad, which you may find in my team later on. But that's for Blackburn. Um, and then keep you on next week. For Leicester, I've literally written down just a, a, a one, two, three few words on each of the players um, because I think they all maybe seem to deserve some sort of reflection. Uh, none of them really deserve to escape. <laughs> um, or may, maybe one or two. But yeah, so I'm just going to read you through what I've written down. Uh, Bonham, I've just put distribution. Absolutely atrocious. And the amount of times he just lumped goal kicks and whatever, 20 yards over Campbell's head, and then just run straight through to their goalkeeper time and time and time again. And you're thinking, what are you doing? Why are you just literally just giving, the, you, you're piling pressure on us because every time we've got the ball and we've got a chance to build something, you're just whacking it straight over everybody, putting way too much on it. And and, and then they've got the ball again. It's hard enough, Gate Hoffman. It's just not giving it a bat like that. Anyway, why, move it. Why, I'm just going to say. Very quickly on that, Dan, just very quickly. But why are his teammates and why is the manager not stopping him from doing that? He does it once, they cut it out and it doesn't happen again. So where where are the personalities? Where are the where's the direction to say, stop being an idiot, get the ball on the deck, we need to build? Like he, yes, Bottom shouldn't be doing that, but where's everybody else to help him? Well, I think players were indicating where they wanted, you know, that you I think the aim was not to mess around with it, maybe go a bit longer, but he was just overhitting every pass. So I think that was the issue. It's just like, why can't you learn? Why are you not able to adjust and take a little bit off like a professional footballer yeah. should surely be able to? Um, Hoover, I've just got one word, cramp. I think that says it all. 58 minutes, cramp, really? Um, Jordan Thompson, stop moaning at referees. He was doing it throughout the first half. He's doing it at half time. Not even anything that involved him. He's just constantly moaning, moaning, moaning at officials. And I'm like, no wonder that guy said you off the other week. No wonder it happened because he's probably sick and tired of, of you going at him all the time. Just, it, it, it's not. It's not getting a positive outcome for anybody and it's not going to endear yourself to officials that if anything, they're going to go more the other way. Also... Well, don't worry, Dan. We've got a very good referee coming up against Blackburn, apparently. <laughs> well, there's also how much time he was giving to the wingers. You know, the balls... The left winger, the right winger for Leicester was having acres and acres of space because he just kept... T- Tucking right in inside. And he was literally just giving him time to control it, bring it down, square him up and beat him. Because that's what he did do. He beat him time and time and time again. He was literally, when he was getting the ball, Mark, he, he had a good, what, 10 yards. And I'm not even exaggerating that. Thompson was 10 yards away from him every time he got the ball. And, and this, and I'm not talking on the halfway line. or it's just, I'm talking probably... You know, around the, the corner of the box, the edge of the box, and Thompson's given him that amount of space, and you wonder why he was able to, to you know, to pick out the crosses or have the shots and the efforts that he was. It's you know, ridiculous, and why they didn't learn. I think he was hoping Gucci would come back with him, but the thing was, Gucci had his own job on because Pereira was running into midfield. So obviously, 
he's the right back. Uh, Gucci's left wing. If, if Pereira's running into centre midfield, he's got to follow him, hasn't he, and make him go you know, into that area. So he had his own job sort of looking after that. But he's just, he was well, well out of his depth. Uh, Thompson, well, they all were, but Thompson, you know, we just had an absolute nightmare on Saturday. Wilmot, he had possibly the worst game I've seen him play for Stoke. He was all over the place. It was shambolic, really, the defending. And he, he even lo- he lost a header to Keenan Dewsbury Hall. The playmaker, who I, I, I don't know his height, but I don't feel he's anywhere near the same height as Ben Wilmot. He's certainly not known for his heading ability, is he? He's not, he's not someone who, you know, comes and, and steamrolls people out of the way and wins headers, which is what your centre halves should be doing. And it's as if, like, him and Rose, Rose have put Luke frazzled. Yeah, I think the pair of them did. They just the ball was being played around, and then it was as if they didn't know what to do. It's as if they were like eight-year-olds on a school playground, you know, where you're just chasing the ball all the time. There's no sort of tactical yeah. element to it. You just sort of follow the ball. It was like that kind of like the heads of like what I'm supposed. They hadn't got a clue what I'm supposed to be doing here. I think well, we've we've been quite um, defensive on on the likes of Ben Wilmot, and I think he's actually not been great since he's come back from injury. To be honest, I think we know how good. Well, we think we know how good Ben Wilmot can be, and I think we've seen that as player of the season for a reason the other year. Uh, I think his his stop start to this season, his injuries and all that, and the fact that we're playing shockingly bad. Um, I think sometimes his positioning is a little bit out. I think he definitely needs to improve that. He does seem a little bit a bit lost at times. It, he, he's a strange player for me. I I, I want to see the player from the previous year come back because I think then it, we could see a really good player. But when people say, Luke, we've defended him too much, it's hard to disagree when you see performances like that, but I still think there's a good player in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, I may as well say, I was going to say it, but as I'll say it now, I don't think, I agree with you, I don't think he's been great since he's come back from injury, and I don't think we look as solid since he's come back into the side. But at the same time, there may be other contributing factors to that, and I think it's a very small sample of games, it's not like he's been back for 10 12 games and we've looked terrible in eight or nine of them. We're only talking what three games, four games against some pretty decent sides as well, you know, Leicester, Brighton, for example. So it's not it's not looking great so far, but at the same time, I think you know, we need to see more before you can mainly write him off or you know, um. Really, I've have, have a thing and say he is the reason why we, you know, his inclusion is the reason why we've sort of gone to pot defensively. I think you need more a bigger sample of games, um, but yeah, it certainly doesn't doesn't look well in the you know since he has come back into the side. Uh, Pearson, I've just put ineffective, completely ineffective. Um, it's about having a great defensive midfielder who can stick a foot in, break play or wing the ball. Um, but they were just too good. He couldn't get near them. And he may, may as well have not been on the pitch, to be fair. Um, whether that's whether he's out of form, whether he's out of fitness-wise, because he's not been playing, I don't know. But he just, there was no, nothing nothing from him. Uh, Berger, he was the only player out of the starting 11 who looked okay, to be fair. Not to his normal standards. 
Um, but yeah, he's the only one out of the ones who started who came out of the game with without people sort of pointing fingers and sort of castigating them or anything. He, uh, I think he just needed more around him to be able to work. Anything he did try didn't really come off because nobody was on his wavelength. Or do uh, Condor, I think it was the complete wrong game for him. I think we didn't get enough on the ball. I don't think he does enough off the ball to deserve inclusion. I think we'd have been better off with maybe a more mobile midfielder in there who could have, you know, tried to be a bit more combative. Uh, yeah, we called this, though, mate. We called, we called this on the last podcast. We said this wasn't a game for him. He, yeah, he, think, he just wasn't right. Yeah, I think he needs to, he needs to be a bit more. Um, we needed somebody in there who could put a foot in a bit more. I think he's a bit of a luxury at the minute. Um, hopefully, Stephen Schumacher hasn't got blind loyalty to him because I don't know if Blackburn and um, QPR are the right games either. When you like, say, if you're going to be battling teams, uh, Larice, no impact. Got given the yellow card for got given the yellow card for a foul that wasn't a foul. We'll get on to the referee in a minute. And that led to the first goal. When you're talking three or four phases later, though, so it wasn't directly, but it shouldn't have been a free kick. And that's probably the only thing he did do because he, I think he had another couple of fouls and he was hooked off at half time before he was sent off. Uh, Gooch lost on the left wing. Um, kept going, but there was no. I think, uh, like I say, Pereira out there just had an easy day. He knew he was stand there and just take the ball off Gooch at will. Um, but to be fair to London, he, he, like I say, he kept going as best he could, kept trying uh, to do things and make things happen. It just wasn't wasn't going to happen, wasn't going to work. Uh, Campbell, he just seemed to be waiting for others. I, mean, I did see something, there was a few people criticised him and you know, we've always been big supporters of Tyrese. It wasn't his best game by any stretch. As you can imagine, we lost 5-0, <laughs> of course. Um and people say, like, you know, what did he do first half? Well, actually, he won three corners and he had a, a good, he, he, you know, produced probably the best save of the half. Uh, by the last, by the last, the goalkeeper uh, was from him. And he could, you know, the only one who really threatened, like I say, he got run in behind. But what I didn't like or what seemed to happen was he was waiting, rather than trying to make things happen or trying to make was he was waiting for things to happen, waiting for people to do things like um instead of sort of making the runs and saying find me, he was waiting for people to play the pass and then he was sort of chasing kind of thing. And it might sometimes you've just got to take the initiative a bit more with it as a striker. Um especially in it's that kind of why you get accused of being lazy, I think, Dan. Things mm. like that. Yeah, maybe sort of like trying. You know, even if even if you just do it and it pushes the defense ten yards back, it gives your midfielders a bit more room to breathe against teams. You know, a team who are technically so good, and so brilliant on the ball. Um, there's your starters. Yeah, sub Ennis came on at half time. You know, low impact, high energy. I'd say you run around. I, it's certainly something we can work with there. Um, he, like I say, he's got. You can see he's got pace about him. Uh, he didn't really have much opportunity in front of goal, but he was all, like I say, high energy. Just the game as it went, didn't really get a chance to make an impact. Uh, the other half-time sub was Juno, who I've just put man of the match. A very low bar, but Stokes man of the match. Um, Ryan Lowe, uh, Ryan Lowe, <laughs> Nathan Lowe even, and just got right wing question mark. Really, 
Yeah, that's a, a, a situation where he's like, he's out of ideas. He doesn't know what to do. Oh, we want to get someone on. Just go and stand where you want. Yeah. So he's got him on the right wing and then he put Vidigal down centre forward at the same exact same time. Uh, whether the uh, whether the sheet got muddled, the tactic sheet, when he was handing it out, I don't know. Um, but I will, what I've put for Vidigal is he's not one for the trenches. So I think when you're looking at players who are going to dig in for you, players who are going to win your games, well, who are going to fight to win your game, shall I say, I'm not sure he would be top of my list. Put it that way. Um, and then the last substitute was McNally. And I just think he struggled to get up to speed. So, yes, that's my sort of reflection. Um, I know usually we sort of go a bit more in depth, I think, but that, that I think they all sort of, like I say, maybe Berger and Jono, possibly Ennis, got away from any sort of, uh, you know, poor comments. Um, what we'll say, the lineup was very defensive before kickoff. And I think he was like a containment. And I, I turned to, um, obviously, Jace, who I, do I go over that? I said, after about, what, 10 minutes? I said, it's just a matter of time. It is a matter of time. Let's do it. It was just wave after wave after wave after wave. And we just looked totally men against boys. It was like... We 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 would repel one attack, and before we'd even regroup, there was another one coming, and another one. And I, I'll be honest, I don't. I think we caught Leicester on a good day. I think that is one of their sort of better performances. Uh, obviously, I you know I haven't seen them play week in week out, but just how the intensity that they were playing with, and how it all clicked in that, I don't think at this level they've even as good as they are. If they play like that most weeks, I think they would have had a lot more, you know, five, sixes, sevens even against some other sides. They were just that that good. Yeah, uh, they, yeah. They, were, they were always going to be, uh, they're, they're always going to win this this division. They are, they're a Premier League team in the Championship for me. I, I, I do think they're just, they've got plenty of quality. They've got quality and depth, you know, when you can bring the likes of, you know, Vardy on and, you know, even people like I know it's not really I think actually came on, but like you know Cody and uh, Justin, and you bring people like that on. I mean, they'd walk into any any team in this division. I think for me, so like yeah. they, 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 they we've always we've gone down. We didn't bounce back up. They've come down and and done really well. And um, you know, clearly I've got the right type of setup behind the scenes to to make that happen for them. But it, I, I think you summed it up very nicely. And you said it was, it was men against boys because it absolutely was. I think what well, from out of a five rating, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have put anyone above a two and a half at the weekend. I think there was, it was a team full of underperformers. Um, and, you know, you pulled something out in the last pod, you know, Thompson, you know, left back thinking he was going to be caught out. You look back at the goals, there's gaps galore, you know, the the penalty, the ball when the defenders ran all the way from the defence and gone through. You know, what are the defence doing? What are the midfield doing? Someone take him out. Like you can't you can't allow things like that to happen. And it was a bunch of players on the pitch with no leader and you know not just not willing to do the dirty stuff. We are, we're one nil down, two nil down. All right, we've lost this. Sorry, let's just try and get to ninety minutes so I can get home. That's how it felt. Well, it's just like I'll just say about Leicester. Like since since we've been relegated, 
Leeds have walked this division, have they? Norwich have been promoted with 100 points. Um, Fulham have walked the league. Burnley last season walked the league. None of those sides, none of them, for me, come close to that Leicester side that we saw on Saturday. Now, Fulham had, say, Mitrovic, they had uh, Harley Reid, and you know, they had people like Carvalho. So they had, they had real top-class players for this level anyway. And then, But then in other areas, they had above-average championship players who you thought, oh, we could make that a bit of a weaker area. We could possibly get that. We can get it in there. Well, that's the area, you know, that's a sort of a position we could try and dominate and at least win that battle. And then, you know, same with Leeds, same with um, Burnley. They all had great players in there and then they all had little areas where you thought, I could possibly get a little bit in there. This Leicester side, 1-11, to 11, nothing. They gave us nothing. And I know we didn't play well, but they were superb. They was, And every one of them, 1-11, to 11, looked a class above the championship. And then... On the bench, they've got three England. They just bring on Chowdhury, James Justin, Jamie Vardy. You know, three what England internationals or England youth internationals inside. And just, just walk step off the pitch. Step on the pitch, sorry. Yeah. Bring them on now. Now you're a bit more tired. <laughs> um, and it's like, I, I, you did feel for, for Schumacher because, you know, how many times as, as football fans do you get frustrated and you say, you come to the end of a game and you play a team who are technically better than you, higher, you know, a lot higher than you in the league, should win a game. They get into maybe a couple goals up, and you think, and you get to the final whistle, you go, "We never tried, we never had a go, didn't even bother, made it easy for them. Why don't Why don't we bring a striker or an extra striker and have a go? You know, rather do that than lose foot. You know, may as well lose four or five nil than lose two. Well, on Saturday, that's what we did. <laughs> because at half-time, we had that defensive line-up, and like I say, they were 2-0 up. And a lot of managers at that point would have gone, let's not let's not let it get out of hand. Let's not let it get to, you know, 4, 5, 6 now. Let's just keep it at 2, keep the, the structure and whatever, and go from there. Instead, our manager threw on four attacking players, within like about 10 minutes of the second half. Um, so we literally stuck on all the attackers, we got all the strikers and just went for it. And I think towards the end, we, we were a bit overrun, um, even more so than we were in the first half. Uh, but we was more like a, a tactical thing in the second half that we were just blown wide open. And you can sort of criticise the manager, but he was probably thinking, well, there's only one way we're going to get back in this game. And that's to go out there and score the next goal. So he shoved his tackles out in the hope of getting that and then maybe we'll assess the situation then. Would you, Mike? Have you is, got to this is an interesting the one. Sorry? Have you, haven't you got to respect the opposition though and go, there's times to do that and there's times not? I mean, if you're facing a... I don't mean, I can't think of an average club in this division. You're, let's say you're facing an average club in this division, you can kind of get away with that. But when you're facing somebody like Leicester, you can't just chuck on more attackers and more attackers because exactly what happened you know, during the game, there was gaps all over the place. And that's because players were just, obviously we just had a bunch of strikers on the pitch. And I just, I think it's naive from, from Schumacher. He's not, not the first time he's done this actually since he joined for me when we've been, when we've been behind. 
let's just chuck a load of strikers on. Now, it doesn't always work, especially our bloody strikers. I mean, I just, I do think part of it's either, is it lack of tactical know-how? Is it, is it lack of understanding the players still? Quite possibly. Maybe overestimates what they're capable of. Um, I, I do think there's an element of naivety. And the, what I said to you in this, look, I'm not criticising Schumacher. I, 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 it's far too early to judge him for me. I just do think that sometimes he's got this um, he, this air of little club syndrome. You know, he's been he's been at Plymouth for a while. Who you know, let's face it, they're not exactly pushing for you know promotion every single season. And I just worry whether us as a club and a fan base and owners, they're very very ambitious and they want to get back to the Premier League. My only worry with him, and I want to see this come out is him to switch it up in press conferences and everything else, start bigging us up. Look, this club wants to be in the Premier League. We want to do this. Instead of, oh, the big boys are coming, we need to be absolutely on top of our game to get anything out of this. Like, that's not... I know we're not doing great, but I feel like we're almost being talked down a little bit. Um, maybe it's just a sign of where we are. I mean, I said the other week, we're not exactly a, a top 10 team. Uh, far from it right now, but... That it's just one element of what you were saying about let's not judge him. I think absolutely not. But those little nuances is something that's in the back of my mind with him. A little bit off topic, I appreciate. But no, that's exactly what I was going to say. To be fair, I was going to say, you know, what was your sort of opinion? That would you prefer him to have a go? And I think he's one who doesn't want to sort of have regrets afterwards. He wants to say, well, actually, yeah, went out there. We tried to get back in the game. It didn't work. Rather than, you know, wait until 75, 80 minutes, throwing your strikers down to get a goal, but it's like, well, we've run out of time. I think he's much... He's, he's, he's a proactive manager in team. He doesn't want... He wants to sort of live by the sword, die by the sword kind of thing, where, you know, like I say, he doesn't want to have any regrets come the end. And that, that's fair enough. I don't think you can sort of complain there, but it does then lead to... The, the, the times when the opposition are that much superior to you in this case and they, and they will sort of rip you apart if you do do that. Does that not explain, though, why he never won an away game with Plymouth? Because he would just go too long home. Uh, you know, maybe there's a balance to find there and he, he hasn't really struck that balance. Could that be an element of it? Yeah, maybe. Maybe it was. Maybe it's also, though, that the squad and, and the the togetherness that he had at Plymouth, I think, maybe led to a very strong home. So, because obviously, if you think back to ourselves, you know, when we when we got promoted, we had a really strong home form, similar to he had with Plymouth, and there was all the talk about what he had there is very similar to what we had here, and that it was a very close knit group, um, a very good bond between the fans and then the players. Um, everyone was together. But then when we went away from home, when we first got the Premier League, we struggled for months and months and months to register anything away from home, didn't we? We were quite regularly beating you know, three or four fives when we first got up. Um, I know it was to a different division, but probably the same kind of levels, playing the Championship Stoke in the Premier League at the time. Mm. Um, and we, yeah, there was definitely... I don't think anyone could say that we were going to go <laughs> in our approach. No. And let's um, be honest as well, we didn't lose that game at the weekend because Shewa decided to bring on extra strikers, really. We lost no. that game because the players, quite simply, were not good enough. And I don't think they are good enough either. So I think that's where you got it when we'll get into it, I'm sure. But that's when we start to talk about like recruitment. 
have Ricky, have you know the the recruitment team, have they made the wrong calls, etc. Um, and again, I won't go into that now because I'm sure we'll get onto it. But uh, I don't think we lost that game because of Schumacher. We lost that because we had a bunch of players who simply aren't good enough. I think that's where it comes down to it. And we're obviously playing a very, very good team. Always helps. Yeah, and I think, um, like I say, we, we, yeah, we lost the game. I mean, the five goals, if you run through them, uh, the first one is, it ended up being a tapping, didn't it? And it was a good move, but where was the where was the it was very passive defensive work from Stoke. You know, the ball's played in down one wing. He gets in behind. He's clipped the ball to the back post, headed back across, and the guy's got to tap it. Uh, you know, on paper, you look at it and you think, oh, it's a good attacking move. But there were so many times when that ball could have been cut out defensively. It could have been, you know, the headers could have been won. Um, get in front of men, blocking crosses. There's so many points where we could have done better with that, but we didn't. The second one was a deflection. He might say that's unlucky. It's a deflected goal. Very unlucky. However, no pressure on the ball. No pressure on the shot at all. So, yeah, it did take a deflection off Ben Wilmer. It did wrong-foot the goalkeeper. That is unfortunate. But again, there's no pressure on the shot. And we said this last week, didn't we, in Sunderland? No pressure on shots. Now, the third goal, I think that's the one that's become a bit of a meme, isn't it? The phase run from the halfway line, taking on about four or five defenders. And then he only gets tackled when he's inside the box. They wait until he's inside the penalty area and then they follow him. When I think Vidigal chases him a bit, but then realises he's not going to catch him. Kundal runs away from him. Berger goes to put a foot in, but then thinks, I'm going to give a free kick away on the edge of the box. And there's two other defenders he's running into. So I'll let them deal with it. They then back off. And then Thompson comes across and, and takes him clean out. It's like, after you, after you, no, after you, no, after you. <laughs> Until the one is, I'm fine, I'll just kick him up in the air. Um, nobody before, willing to take ownership of the situation. No. That's the thing. No, nobody came out of that looking well, did they? At all. Uh, Vardy. Now, the, the Vardy goal, the first Vardy goal. Jordan Thompson again being overrun down that left-hand side. Again, probably due to all the changes and the formation changes, whatever, but he's ended up with James Justin charging freshly on, fresh legs on his sub, bombing on, giving him two-on-one. He does not got a clue who to take, what to do, and he just let James Justin have free reign down that wing. Um, stood in an area that maybe actually probably didn't, um, didn't look after either of the players that were running at him. Uh, James Dutton ran on great ball across and Vardy's doing what Vardy's done for years flying in the back post to get a, 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 you know, add another goal to his tally and the second one and as we were 4-0 down in the last minute how we ended up with a 2v1 situation in our half I don't know what we were trying to achieve in the last minute um, with about 20 seconds left of the game but yeah his second like I said the second penalty Ball over the top. Vardy wins a header. Vardy won a header against one of the central halves. I can't remember which one it was off the top of my head. I think it was Rose. I was, was going to say, I think it was Rose. Yeah, so Jamie Vardy won a header against Michael Rose. <sighs> Rose doesn't even jump for you, mate. Doesn't even no. try. I mean, and then, he, and then he claims offside. 
by the guys who run from behind him. So, I mean, we we thought he might be offside, but we were in the booth then. We were standing right. I hadn't seen the guy run past me, had I? Like Marco Rose has just done. Um, and then again, another sort of rash foul gives the, gives away a second penalty. All in all, it was a shambles, wasn't it? The whole game. It was the ref. The ref. Um, I'll be honest. The, he didn't. He, I mean, he's not. He's not. Um, Change the result or whatever, has he? But he may as well have had a Leicester shirt on. <laughs> he's a very he's a young ref, and he's very quickly the way to get to the top. Don't annoy the big clubs. Don't annoy the ones who are going to get you on the back pages. He's he's worked that one out very super quickly. Larisha Alcard was an absolute disgrace. How he's come up with that decision. Berger then gets thumped in the throat, splash of face, two hands. Is a is his linesman's told her about it, and he thinks, yeah, that that's a yellow card. That is, I'm like, so that is the same punishment as Larice, who won the ball and his, his tackle, <laughs> uh, quite clearly won the ball. So yeah, that that apparently is a yellow card now. Two hands to the throat. Um, well, mate, we we know, we know it's no secret that these referees are an absolute disgrace in this division, and. I mean, there were certain referees who should never ref a Stoke match, never mind anybody else. I mean, again, we'll come on to one later on. But, um, I, yeah, I, I appreciate we didn't lose that game because of the referee. And it was absolutely fair to call some of the decisions out. The, the Larice one was... Uh, you do wonder what the hell they see. You, you, I, 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 don't, I don't get it. Um, I mean, very quickly, just to make a comment, Dan, when you were breaking down the goals... Three of them five are goals coming in from the left back spot. That left back position has been an issue all season. And yeah. like I mean, again, we pulled it out. We were gonna get nailed on that left back spot, and it's exactly what happened. They knew how to get at us, where our Achilles here would be, and they played the ball perfectly fine. So um once again, we talk about recruitment. We brought a million, you know, from obviously uh, from Vitesse and stuff like that. Okay, great. I would have actually rather have spent three million quid on a couple of defenders because that's where the problem is. Yes, we can't score goals at the minute, but I'd like to think that if we can sort the, the defence out, we at least won't lose loads of goals and we've got a chance of doing something at the other end of the pitch. So I, I, I'm i interested to see this, this chat play, but I think most people would have actually accepted a, a left-back and a centre-back instead of a, another winger, if I'm honest with you, personally. Yeah, because we've already got enough attackers that we can't really fit them all on the pitch slash bench <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Um, I actually think with with Henry, actually, I I was fearing the worst, and people said he, they ripped our fullbacks apart. I don't think he had that bad a game. It was just a cramp for me, is what did it. <laughs> the embarrassment from Henry was the cramp. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he had, you know, he had the wingers sorted or something like that. I think they they had a battle, but he gave, was giving back stuff. You know, he was he was competing with him, whereas Thompson just was there was nothing. There was no there was no competition there. Um, like I say, there may well not been a left back. Just how much he was sort of just pulled apart. Um, yeah, really showed that we need. We need some sort of strong defensive position, you know, strong defensive player in that position. Um, whether we've got one in the squad, whether Stevens is going to be back, whether we put Gooch there, uh, I don't know. But 
And then Thompson and him playing there at the minute, just not working. Uh, what I will say is trying to think of some positives because obviously, you know, we do want to sort of you know, try and balance it as best we can. It's not easy in this state. Um, I mentioned we did have some chances first off, especially, you know, I think we... We, we sort of said that we before that Leicester will give you opportunities. They're not a side that's um, because they're so good on the ball and, and they do manoeuvre it so well. They move, they pass and move, pass and move. Sometimes when they do lose it, they can leave it in positions where you can exploit things. Um, I thought we managed to create some chances. Like I say, I think we won a few corners, getting to the byline, trying to put crosses in. Uh, Campbell could have scored when he was through. He, you know, there was a great save from the goalkeeper. That was a 1-0. So it went 1-0. He could easily have made it 1-1 straight away and then they've gone up the other end and literally gone straight down the other end and made it 2-0. Um, if it had gone 1-1, do I think it would have been a different game? Possibly. Because we would have had a tails up, we would have been impressed, but I don't think we would have got anything out of it. We probably would have lost about 3 1. Um, I think Leicester would have just kept the ball, took any momentum that we did have over the next 10 minutes, and then hit us again. Uh, but yeah, I think well, they're a great side. We've just got to be very grateful that we haven't got to play them again. Um, there's no man of the match poll, by the way, this week. First time ever. I thought, even I can't put one out for that. I'll just give it I to was Juno. Wondering what you were do. <laughs> I'll just give it to Juno. Yeah, he, he, he livened it up a little bit after the break. And yeah, we haven't got to play a team that good every week. Let's just be, let's be honest about that. Um, it is what it is. I'm... I am pleased that I've got a we've got a manager that will always try and get back in a game, that never accepts defeat. I think that's that's been a frustrating thing about at times supporting Stoke in the past. That even some of the best managers we've had, um, you know, you know, we're talking about there, have maybe accepted other defeats and gone sort of um, damage limitation. And as a supporter, when you've paid to watch and you know. If the, 2-0 down after half an hour against a, a better superior side and they go, well, let's just keep it at two-way. You say, well, what am I here for? <laughs> what, what is the point? So at least we know we've got a manager that doesn't shake a challenge in that respect and will always try and give it a go, even in the most toughest of circumstances. Um, we may get the odd tonking like we did on Saturday, but I think, I suppose if you... If you lose 10 games 2-0, you get no points. If you lose nine games 5-0, but come back to draw 1-2-2, you've got a point. So where are you better off with? It's if you can survive all those heavy defeats. <laughs> um, but I don't think, like I said, it's not going to be weekly, a weekly occurrence, is it? Um, so, yeah, that, that's sort of my point on last time. Is there anything else you sort of want to add? Well, I don't know whether you want to do this later or, or now, if I'm honest, but um, I want to just to acknowledge our form, if you like, because we've had a lot of comments in the in the messenger group and there's obviously been a lot of, I'd say there's, a, there's obviously the same type of feelings as what we've just kind of said there, but uh, like one of the, the things that um, 
I think basically Tom's turned around uh, to Kyle on the group, for example, uh, and basically said, you know, Luke, 10 goals conceded in three games, two wins in 16, the worst goals forward record in the league since November, no home wins since October, five goals scored from open play at home since August. It's not just the last couple of results that people in other people's minds are over, you know, are over-exaggerating how poor we are at the minute. I think he's right for me that this spans a lot more than just the last couple of games against some uh, decent sides. And I think this is where people's kind of worry comes in. You know, if, we, if we're not getting a goal put in our own net or we're not getting a free kick or a penalty, we seem completely incapable of, of breaking teams down and scoring goals. And then, you know, when you talk about home form, which we know to be a successful team in whatever division, you've got to be a strong home home team. And, you know, to, to have our record and where we talk about fans being quiet at times, can you really blame the fans? They've been coming every single week and they're seeing crap performances, no goals, you know, change of managers, unnervous. It's, it's been a horrible season, actually. There's been a lot of upheaval. And I just think when you think about form, it's very hard to to try and find positivity at times when you have that type of a record. So, you know, again, I'm happy to speak in a little bit um, more detail later, but that was just something that was put into our our group there. Um, so it's up to you whether... I mean, I, do, you want to, do you want to quickly just look ahead to um, the overall fixtures or do you want to do that in a bit? That seems as good a time as, as any. Okay, cool. So we basically put... Um, into the group, what we actually expect uh, results to be. Now, I'm just going to, I'll go through this, not super quick, but not super slow, so you can follow it at home if you want to have a think about it. So, obviously, we'll forget Blackburn. We'll come back to Blackburn because we're going to preview that in a bit. So, QPR uh, next at home. I'm going for a win on that one. Um, <laughs> I'm not quite sure why, quite, quite simply. Uh, I think just because I feel like we have to. I guess that's where it comes to. I think we have to. Now, my point to you, Dan, and probably to everyone, is that Blackburn and QPR are where we're going to have the chance to get some points. If we do not get at least four points for me out of the next two games, we've then got Coventry, Cardiff, Middlesbrough, Leeds, Preston, Norwich, Hull, and then Huddersfield Town on the 1st of April. I'm predicting if we don't get the four points against the next in the next two games, we do not win another home game. In fact, or away game, we do not win another match until the first of April when we play Huddersfield at home. So we're going to go on a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight-game losing streak. Is where I'm predicting that because we ain't beating Coventry. They're too good at that. They're outside the playoffs. Well, probably in the playoffs now, actually. Um, Cardiff, not a pushover. Middlesbrough at home, well, we can't win home games in Middlesbrough are good. Forget Leeds, we're going to get a tonking there, I think. Preston beat Ipswich of the week quite comfortably. Norwich at home, again, Norwich not a bad team. Hull, got a lot of good players away. No way, we're not going to get anything there. Huddersfield, it's massive for me, Dan, this is. And I really hate being negative, if I'm honest with you, I really do. Like, But I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts here, because take away the next two games... Do you seriously think we're going to be any of those teams I've just mentioned? Like Cardiff for 13th. Now, 
we don't have a great record, do we? Um, against them, Middlesbrough twelfth as well. So I don't think either of them are unbeatable, if you like. I don't think Middlesbrough are the same side they were last year. They certainly haven't got the same goal output as they did last season. They've lost a lot of their attacking play. They're still a decent, half decent side, and they're still going to have something to play for. I mean, they're only what they're, even though they're twelfth and thirteenth in the league at the minute, they're only four and five points off the playoffs. So you'd imagine they would both have something to play for when we play them. Now, again, like you say, I think those these next two games are massive because if we at the minute we're four points off QPR. Now QPR's next game, obviously they play uh, Norwich on Saturday. So and then they play us. So if we if they lose to Norwich and then we beat them and we've also beat Blackburn, that'll put a 10-point gap between us and, us and the relegation zone, us and QPR. As it stands, it'd be a 15-point gap between us and Sheffield Wednesday. It'd be a 19-point gap, which would mean double what Rotherham have currently got points-wise. That then, I think, should be game over at that point. QPR would only have Agreed. 14 games left to make up 10 points plus whatever we get in the remaining 14 games. What that would then mean is that we would be free, the shackles of of the pressure and everything of a relegation battle would be eased and I think the players would be able to express, you know, back, go back to sort of express themselves freely without fear of uh, the, the repercussions of another defeat, for example. Uh, did have the positivity of, of a couple of wins. You know, when was the last time we had back-to-back wins? Are you looking back in August? Did we even do that? Because we were losing a lot of away games. I doubt we even got back-to-back wins, did we, in the league uh, back then? How embarrassing. <laughs> How embarrassing. <laughs> um, so, you know, if we did do that, then I think, like I say, it would be a massive thing. I mean... I mean, obviously, you know, other teams are going to pick up points over the next two games. But as it stands, I mean, we're a point off 16th. So we know that we'd at least be there, you'd imagine. And, you know, Plymouth are four points in front of Bristol City are six. We'd probably, you know, we're going to be between 15th, 16th place if we win the next two games. Massive gap between other relegations. And then, like I say, then you're going to hit your Coventry's, your Cardiff's, your Middlesbrough's. Um, I do agree. I think we'll struggle away at Leeds to get anything. I think, especially after we beat them at our place, they're going to be even more up for that, aren't they? To you know, they're not going to be taken as lightly. And but I think we can approach them games then with a bit more freedom, and probably go out there and get some results. Now, the flip side of that <laughs> is Blackburn, as we'll probably get onto may or may not have um, John Dahl Thomason in charge for the weekend. Again, that's well, how the players will react to that. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but they're in turmoil and Charity FC are rolling into town. So if we, give that, if we gift them three points on Saturday and then we don't beat QPR, even if we draw, and, but you know, we don't lengthen that gap, then the next games after that, like I say, are massive pressure games. I'd like to say we've got Coventry, we're sat a point outside the relegation, the, the playoff area. Then you've got, like I say, your Cardiff, your Middlesbrough, your, your Leeds Uniteds, um, even Preston. Preston have had a terrible run of late. You know, they had a great start, they've had a terrible run. They're still only three points off the playoffs, so they've got something to play for. 
and they've been capable of the odd good, great results. I remember, you know, uh, recently they beat Ipswich, didn't they, last weekend? Um, 3 2, you know. Easily. Yeah, they beat Leeds as well, didn't they, last month? So they are capable of, of, you know, sticking a good result together. There's probably a certain type of team that they can enjoy playing, one who likes to keep the ball by the looks of it. So if we'll probably, they'll probably just let us have the ball in Deepdale and then just pick us apart if, you know, if we are still suffering putting in front of goal, because that's where we are. we've had no problem creating chances. Even the Birmingham and Sunderland games, we created enough chances to win them games, didn't we? You know, even the Sunderland fans, we lost. They won the game three-one, and they, they came on here and said, "Yeah, you probably should have got something for the result from the game. Maybe even won it." Let's be you had the chances, and if you'd have put your chances away, it would have been a very different story. It would have been a real high-scoring match that you should have won. Now. Do you think that it's going to get easier to put them chances away the longer the season goes on if we're right down the bottom of the league? It's not. It really isn't. No, no not at all. But, but if we get a couple of wins, if we can win these next two games and get ourselves, like I say, a nice eight to ten point cushion between us and relegation zone, then them chances come with a lot less pressure on them because there's a lot less riding on the fact of if we put the ball in the back of the net or not in that instance. And you'll find that it'll be done with a lot more regularity, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. And, and, and like I said, that, that that's why the next two are, are potentially make or break. Because I think, like I said, if we don't, we get down to Huddersfield, which is realistically our next one, that obviously they will be down there uh, where there's no doubt about it. So, you know, you'd be... Yeah, you you would have to bank on three points uh, for me from that point. Now, obviously, by this time, what? How many games more of that after Coventry is that? Two, four, six, eight. That's eight games um, before you actually hit Huddersfield. By then, if other teams around you have picked up points and you've lost almost every single one, um, you're firmly in the bottom three. Not just scraping it, firmly in the bottom three. That's my concern. I just hope we've got. You know, look to turn this in a bit of a positive slant. I agree with you. I, I do think if we do get, win the next two, I think we're safe just for the simple fact that we will be able to pick up again when we do hit Huddersfield. We'll hopefully be able to pick up a win, minimum a point, and then we've got a few more games after that. So I think, yeah, it, these are two of the biggest games since relegation for me at this point because I think it could be that crucial. Yeah, all I'll say as well is that. Um... You you look at say Leicester, South, you know, Leicester for example last Saturday, not one of our not one of our side, even on the best day really, apart from maybe Berger would get near the Leicester team. Juno might be looking at a place on the bench if he's lucky, really lucky. <laughs> Yet you flip that over, and where who, who at Sheffield Wednesday, QPR, Rotherham, Huddersfield. Very few, if any, of their squad, their players, their team, are, I would swap for hours, which is a weird concept because obviously they're not performing and we, we are sort of criticising the standard of them, but I still don't feel that they are bottom three standard players either in this league. I still feel we should be a lot higher than we are if we were playing to the level of ability that they've got. So... It's it's one of them. It, you know, we we need to come good. We need to start playing to the level and the ability that they've got, which comes with putting chances away. Really, the main thing. 
Well, I think you'll find that the audio we had through from Leicester um, probably disagree with that statement. <laughs> yeah, but I think it was a particularly bad off day, wasn't it, as well? <laughs> we don't play like we did against Leicester. Um, I think that's why there's been such a bad sort of pushback. And I mean, people have been saying this. I mean, I, I did warn this the other week, didn't I, before the Sunderland game. I said we needed to make sure we didn't lose at Sunderland because Stephen Schumacher's had a, had a great start in respect of training. Um, people were enjoying watching this. Uh, they said there was positivity around him being there. And, and then, obviously, with the defeats that come, we lost to Birmingham, which was a bit of a shock at the time, maybe. And I said, if we lose to Sunderland, we're no doubt going to lose to Leicester. And then three defeats in a row, I said that all that positivity will go. And boy, was I proven right. <laughs> and, and even I didn't think it'd be that. It'd go as, as far as some people sort of felt. Um, but I still think in, in the Birmingham and the Sunderland games, we really competed. It really is only the Leicester one where we've been massively outclassed. Uh, but I think people... Or because we lost the other two, I sort of chucking them in with the Martin saying, Oh, we've been crap for you know three games in a row now, we've been crap. I, was like, I don't think we were, it's just it really was this one. But we, we, it needs to be a wake up call, that's basically it. It needs to be a wake up call. And yeah, you mentioned this audio, Let, let's see what Chris from Leicester did have to say. Uh, he sends us sort of a, a sort of lengthy sort of feelings and yeah cheers for it Chris because I know you've not been very well as well he's sort of sent it from his sick bed <laughs> um, but yeah let's have a listen to what he's got to say I do mate hope this works um, I just remember you asked for this uh, but okay look here we go our biggest away win of the season our biggest win of the season Um and like I said, we weren't, we weren't even at home. Uh, I said before we actually played the game to to uh, to one of the Stoke fan sites that I didn't think I could see you going down. Well, do you know what? If you're playing like that, unfortunately, I think you might do. You know, QPR have uh, only won one less game than you. Um, they're only four points behind you. Uh, and they're on a, you know, they're on better form at the moment. You are easily going to be dragged into this. Now, all right, you might not have expected anything from this game, and I'm not saying that being big-headed, but look, we we're top of, you know, we're top of the table. But you were awful, absolutely awful. Over the two games that we've played. I've got to say, probably the worst team we've played this season. And we've got a lot of them to play again, I know. Um, Sheffield Wednesday drew 1-1 with us um, at their place. Again, we were perhaps expecting easily to win. Uh, and, but fair play, they came at us. And whilst I would expect the likes of you know, the Leeds Uniteds and you know, the Southamptons... Uh, West Brom to give us a game. Sheffield Wednesday gave us a game. You didn't give us a game. And that that is worrying. Uh, I, I have to agree with um, one of our ex-players. You know, we never got out of second gear. You know, we scored five. Uh, and it could have been six or seven. It's all right, the penalties. Um, I think the first one... Yeah, was it unfortunate? Look, you just can't do that. 
you know, you, you, you do that and I think it would have been given in the Premier League with VAR. But, you know, you could argue that one. But the funny thing is as well, and again I said this pre, pre-game, that we are not... Yes, we've got a good defensive record. Yes, we've conceded more goals than any other team this season. Less goals, sorry, less goals than any other team this season. But we do concede goals. And sometimes, you know, our our defence, we like to play it out from the back and we can get caught out and we have done many times. But I never felt, watching that game, and I did a watch along, I never felt troubled. I never was in fear that you were going to maybe get a goal um i i, I just I, I feel for you i do because you know last season the performance i saw you put up was the season that i was watching us do uh in, in every game last season and look what happened to us you know yes you had 10 shots but, you know, only four of those were on target. And let's be honest with you, none of them really, really troubled Hermanson. I just, I, I feel for you. I really do. You know, you, you know you've won one of the last five. Uh, and that's against Rotherham, who are bottom of the table. And that kind of, you know, sums it up. Maybe you're going to have to go back a... A stage and uh, back, you know, back a division like we did when we went down to League One. You know, I mean, Stoke are, are a big club, um, so you, you know, we're no bigger than you. Um, you were in the Premier League for ten seasons, and sometimes you need to take a step back to take two forward. But that, that there was just no fight. There was absolutely no fight there. You know, you didn't try. To, 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 to worry us at all and I'm sorry I, I can't I can't say that there was any player that I looked at that was playing for Stoke City in that game that did yourself proud I'm not blaming the manager because he's come in and has obviously taken over you know a, a position here where you know, you can't just turn things around straight away. Uh, it does take time. I just don't know whether you're going to have that time this season. I hope you stay up. I really do. I did say, and I'll leave on this point, and I'm so sorry to be so negative, but, you know, like I say, we... we, we it, 5-0, you'd be looking at that score and thinking, wow, what an exciting game. But it wasn't even an exciting game. And it was just one-way traffic. Uh, but I said, like I said, you know, I think it might have been to yourself before the game, there are three worse teams than Stoke City in this division. Unfortunately, I don't think there are any more. Certainly one. The other two, are they any worse than you? On that performance... Don't know. Look, guys. Good luck for the rest of the season. I hope you manage to stay up and um, you know look after yourselves and uh, and take care. I'll cheer for that, Chris. Um, yeah, 
he's, he's yeah, he's struggling to find anything positive from our sort of uh, our sort of game and, and performance, and and we've just sat here and we and really struggled as well to find much if anything. So yeah, we can't really yeah, argue with that. We possibly um, we possibly pressed everyone's eye head and everyone's just ready to turn off. So look, we apologise if that's the case. Hopefully, we can uh, be a little bit more positive throughout, but I wouldn't hold your breath. <laughs> Uh, right, let's let's move into the news then. We can maybe find a little bit more positivity, maybe with the under 18s Let's see, did they have a game? So they didn't lose last week, Mike, because they didn't they didn't play. Oh. <laughs> uh, but this week they travel away to Thorpe or Thorpe Arch Grange for a midday kickoff on Saturday, uh, which is the home of Leeds United Academy. Now, the hour under-18 team have lost eight in a row, so we're getting them ready for the first team, good and proper. Uh, and in fact, have conceded three or four goals in every one of those eight matches. So I don't think you're going to find many defenders in the under-18 setup, uh, or defenders or goalkeeper ready for the first team as of yes. Do you, do you not think? <laughs> um, yeah, not quite. <laughs> The under-21s, so last week they should have played their staff senior cup quarter-final away at Stone OA and uh, Old Alunians, I believe that stands for. Uh, but it was postponed in the week, so there's no new date currently set for that match. So we'll keep an eye out for that. Uh, whereas this week, the under-21s travel away to Liverpool. 2pm uh, kickoff Sunday the 11th at Liverpool's Academy. Now the women. Now here's something, Mark. Staff's Challenge Cup holders, aren't they? Is it 13 years in a row we've won that? Something like that, mate, yeah. Yes, well, uh, this week we play our semi-final, rearranged semi-final against Sporting Calsa. And, uh, yeah, we played them at home and lost 3-2. So the 13-year reign is over. It definitely wasn't a good oh, weekend, sorry. was it? <laughs> we can't do anything right. No. Uh, so yes, Heidi Logan scored a first half brace, sent us up in the half time 2 1. Then there was a goal just after half time, leveled things up, and then one right at the death won the game for Calcer. So yes, they, uh, they got revenge for us beating them in the final last year. Uh, this week, the women will be looking to um, get back to winning ways when they travel, uh, when they're at home, sorry, to Stourbridge. On Sunday, 2pm kickoff, Emery Stadium in Norton. There's just one point between them in the league, so Stoke will be open to leapfrog over Stalbridge with a victory. Now, some transfer news. The window has shut, however. Dunfermline fullback Josh Edwards is a target for Stoke, apparently. So Preston have also been after him, uh, but he's out of contract in the summer. Uh, they turned down a six-figure bid for him in January. Doesn't say who from. Um, but yes, the uh, is a fullback, so maybe he maybe he was the plan. <laughs> maybe just didn't come off. Um, but yes, Stoke are looking at him, young young lad. He's let's say if he's he's got a bit of game time up there in Scotland. Um, is he maybe another one who can try and bring in, develop? I know we've had obviously the next Harry Suter maybe. Uh, right. So also, Mark, a fan engagement plan. I've seen this now. I'll say if the club, I like this. I think, I hope it doesn't get swallowed up because there's a lot of negativity around at the minute. There's a lot directed at the club, directed at the board, at the directors, everything. And I hope that this 
doesn't get brushed under the carpet or um, sort of looked at disparagingly because it's it come at a time when we're really not performed on the pitch in recent times. And people, you know, well, don't matter what's off the pitch, we need to be winning games. Because this, to me, is actually really impressive. I think they've done a great job in putting together what they need to do is actually make sure it plays out and make sure it, what they've written that they're going to do actually happens. Because if they do, then fair play to them. It sounds like a really positive thing for me. Well, um, I, I agree with you. But uh, one thing I wanted just to bring up, Dan, because uh, we got sent a message earlier on uh, from uh, a chap called Dan. Uh, so Dan Marsden, uh, I promised him that I would acknowledge it uh, on this pod rather than just um, messaging back, uh, just for transparency and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's like, look, fair play to the club. Just had a good read. A uh, lot more consultation fans on things like the club, the stadium, club shop ranges, other factors. A team to be appointed, Stoke uh, Connect Through application. Um, so anyone can apply by the sounds of it. Continue the good work that have started this year in the open training sessions, meet the players, fans forums. All in all, at least we're trying to do something. Uh, apparently the OK can't, you can't do right for wrong. You never can on there, in fairness. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's bloody toxic on there. Interesting to see the take of Mike uh, being a formal council con- contributor. So I guess my comments there, um, yeah, I'm glad they are going down that, that route. The one thing I will say, and this is where I put my ex-council hat on, these things were always topics that we were talking about as a council previously. Now, as much as we can consult with the club and as much as they will consult with fans, the proof will be in the pudding because the amount of times that me and the council have gone in and you know they've always listened, you know, John Coates always listened, you know, Tony Scholes, when he was there, listened. Sam and King, they listened. And, you know, look, I think that they have taken a lot of stuff away. And I do think they have done a number of things, like the kid for quid schemes. You know, myself, I was really passionate about that. I kept going on about it in several meetings. You know, we got that through. Uh, I think Sam and King did really well. He saw the, the benefit of that. Um, other people thought it undervalued the, the prices and stuff, no doubt. But, look, at the end of the day, we... I think we as a, as a supporters council backed several things. You know, we we passed a lot of comments on around fan zones that people wanted. So, you know, I do think that the club definitely do listen. I think proof's in the pudding. But what you said earlier about hope people don't let the current situation overshadow certain factors, what I would say is I've already seen it. Uh, people mentioned about on the pitch and all that. And I just hope that people put their application in because... It was the people that were moaning, you know, the sack off, all the council do nothing. The I've asked them about this question and nothing's happened. When if they actually read the minutes, they'd realise that it was answered and the, the feedback was given and the club responded. You know, there's one thing moaning about something not happening. So either put yourself forward and have your own voice and, and you know, have the opportunity to go and do that. You know, when the consultations come up and, and a wise scheme, get you, you know, get your thoughts in there. The club have got after every game, they ask for feedback, get the feedback on there. I think it's very, very easy to sit there and complain. But if you're not willing to get your voice heard and put the thought, you know, voice forward, it's it's a bit like a politician. You know, if, if you don't vote, you're a bit limited on who you can really complain about who gets in. So I think 
you need to basically get your voice out there. So I hope the club, I hope fans embrace it. I hope the club embrace it. I hope the club continue to listen and continue to f- try and get things in for, for the benefit. Because let's be honest, the club aren't doing this because they have to. They're doing it because they want to. Um, you know, I'm sure there's a, a guide from the uh, the official bodies that they need to get this through. I'm pretty sure there is, but they don't need to do half of this stuff. So I, I'm sorry, that's a very, very long rant, but I just think it's very easy to just keep throwing crap at the club and the former council of what they did or didn't do. And the fact is we did an awful lot um, just because we didn't kick up and scream and shout and pat ourselves on the back every five minutes uh, doesn't mean that things weren't done. So that's a very long, long speech, but that's my thoughts on that. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, well put. Uh, anything else you want to say before we move on? Um, no, I mean there was there was a, we talked about the actual fixtures. Sorry to backtrack a little bit. We talked about um, you know the, those fixtures, and I think that the general premise was that people were on the same wavelength as us. By the way, a lot of four points. Six points. Uh, some people saying up, up to fourteen points actually, uh, which actually was quite nice to see because I think we were all going through depression mode, and it was nice to see some people uh, predicting sixteen points, fourteen points, and and above. So um, yeah, look, just if anyone is listening and wants to get involved in any of these conversations and stuff like that, again, just make sure you you, know, you check us out on Facebook, uh, Twitter, etc. Um, and uh, yeah, it's always good to hear different views. You know, we don't need people who agree with us all the time. That's not what this podcast's about. It's about everyone having a voice. So, um, yeah, it'd be nice to see everyone get involved. I never actually gave you my points, did I? Uh, no, I'm assuming you're going to say 22, yeah? 22 from seven games. Get a bonus one for winning them all. <laughs> well, you're very much a positive person, so I just thought you might make up some points somewhere. <laughs> How far are we going? Till Huddersfield? To Huddersfield, yeah. Okay, so we're going we're to beat Blackburn. We're going to beat QPR. We'll have a nil-nil draw with Coventry. That will bore the place out. <laughs> but we will take it because it's they're in form. We'll then draw at Cardiff. We'll then draw at Middlesbrough. We'll lose at Leeds. We'll lose at Preston. We'll beat Norwich. We'll lose at Hall and we'll beat Huddersfield. So, what's that? <laughs> Three, Delusion six, is the answer to that. You don't Three, need, you six, don't need to seven, more. eight, nine, twelve, twelve. And then, <laughs> well, depends. Are you counting Huddersfield on that? Yeah, you've got to count Huddersfield, yeah. They're 15 with Huddersfield. Oh, shut up. <laughs> No televisions right now. Come on. However, <laughs> however, if the next two games, I'll have to seriously readdress if the next two games we don't get at least four points from. <laughs> uh, no, there's no there's no readdressing. You're putting your line in the sand now. You're going to stick to it, I'm afraid. That's what I mean. Like the the, the following games after QPR are all based on the fact that we're getting some positive results pre Coventry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, right. Before anybody clips that off, when we get zero points, so we'll set theory from bottom. Uh, we also have 
Uh, some actually, we've got some more audio for you. Isn't this a pleasure? So, Aaron, our good friend from Argyle Life, he's been on this podcast, he's been on our spaces. Obviously, we've had a lot of dealings with Plymouth in recent times, haven't we? Now, we signed, obviously, uh, Ennis, didn't we, at the end of the uh, transfer window. And these are his thoughts and his feelings about him from his time at Plymouth. Evening all. Um, I'll caveat this message with the fact that I am an overweight asthmatic walking up one of the biggest hills in Plymouth and I decided now would be the best time to do this. So apologies in advance about the heavy panting, although judging by um, the comments from Blackburn fans, you'll get used to that with Niall Ennis. Um, he, he's not really hit the ground running at Blackburn and to get another dig in there at uh, John Dow Thomas or whatever, you know, him. Um, Maybe not everything at Blackburn are top class. Uh, he said when, when he signed Nile from us, he said that um, he needed to get up to speed to proper championship football and that, that Blackburn was supposed to do that because their facilities, their training centre, their physios were better than ours. I mean, ours have now since joined you, so, I, I, you know, he's going to claim that they're better than Stokes as well. So... Um, Elliot Turner will know Ennis well. Um, yep, another one you've stolen from us. The chopper's out. Um, and it seems like Schumacher is just getting his mates, getting the gang back together with Ennis. Uh, he is a phenomenal player on his day. Um, his day, unfortunately, does not come round enough because of injury. He is the most injury-prone player. Oh, is he? Yeah. That we've had in some time, apart from uh, alongside Mikel Miller, who you're also linked with apparently, and Brendan Galloway. It's all starting to get steeper now. It's a bad idea, but we're all busy people on Trust the Deadline Day. Uh, his hold up play for a little man, I mean, he's not little, but compared to your stereotypical target man, he's phenomenal. He, uh, He's really good at bringing other people into play. He's also excellent at running in behind. He is, he's just an all-round brilliant striker. He just loves an injury, a niggle, a knock. Um, he picks up far too many issues. I will be very surprised if he plays 10 games for you, to be honest. Um, is he a brilliant signing if you can keep him fit? Absolutely. Um, and I don't like to see Stoke do well because of the obvious. But if Elliot Turner, who knows him well, and your physios and your new fitness team um, can get him back to the, the Nihilanis that we had for large parts of our League One title winning campaign, you got yourself a brilliant striker. Um, Knows where the goal is. He had an end at here at Home Park named after him. Oh, no, I apologise for the edit you're going to have to do to this. Um, the, the Niall Ennis end has uh, since been rebranded to the Kawasaki Barn Park end, uh, basically because all of his goals came at that end at Home Park. Um, normally in the, in the first half, apart from against Burton when he, the goal that took us up. In the second half, they switched us round. It did not work. We went on to win that game, win promotion, and win the title. Niall Ennis will go down 
at Argyle as one of the best all-round strikers that I've seen at Argyle. But again, that very, very, very heavy caveat of which he's now become. Um, he is uh, very, very injury-prone, as I keep mentioning. Uh, there's a few uh, Blackburn comments I saw that, that looks like he's a bit overweight and looks like he runs or plays in Doc Martins, which are quite funny to hear. Um, but most players that leave Argyle think it's you know the grass is greener and they're going to be better. Uh, yeah, normally it doesn't work out that way. I think it's more of a team spirit thing down at home part. But like I said, Niall Ennis is phenomenal. Get him up and running, fit and firing. You've got yourself a brilliant striker in your hands. Cheers, guys. So very complimentary, Mike. If we can keep him fit, uh, a bit of a maybe a, obviously not a world beater, but a very good, very accomplished, complete centre forward. So, yeah, it bodes well. Obviously, you know, it wasn't the best game for him to come and show his his ability in, was it, in the Leicester trouncing? Um, but, yeah, coming up against his former club on Saturday, he'll have a point to prove, no doubt. Yeah, point, point to prove, w- w- without a doubt. And I, 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 anyone gets a chance when they come play for me. I, I, I don't... I try not to prejudge too much because one... You know, just because he didn't do very good at Blackburn, you know, lots of injuries and stuff, doesn't mean that he's he's not a good player. Um, the only thing that always worries me is doesn't make a difference which striker seems to join us. We always seem to be no. able to destroy him somehow. Uh, but I'm just hoping that we can book the trend of a century and and actually get someone who's half decent. And that's just even if it is like the rest of the season, do enough to score us a couple of goals, keep us up, um, and then even if it's just a bit part player next year, uh, just It'd be nice just to see a few goals then. I don't really care. We put some in if I'm honest. Very true, mate. Very true. Um, one last thing. Any other business? Thin bins. So, Arnfab have said they're looking into implementing thin bins from next season. It's first time they'll be used in football, but they're going to be used for dissent towards officials. So, where's Jordan Thompson got his well red card into the other week for telling the ref he should be booking the... You, you were playing Ipswich, wasn't it? Yeah, the Ipswich forward. So it's very dangerous, isn't it? <laughs> um, in this instance now, he would be Sinbin for 10 minutes. Off he goes. You know, or if a player gets in the ref's face or um, any sort of, sort of bad language or anything towards ref aggressiveness, straight in the Sinbin for 10 minutes. How do you think? It's, it's It'd be a very drastic change for football, wouldn't it? Something very... Um, not, not had anything like it previously. Is it just the way it's going? I suppose it works in rugby, don't you? Your yellow card it is a sim bit in rugby. So, is it something you think can be implemented in football? Something you'd like to see implemented in football? Um, I'm not sure if I'd like it or not. It depends how it's how it's inserted as well. Because think back to when you know there was yellow cards being handed out left, right, and centre for. Balls being kicked away, you know, three or four centimeters at, at the very start of the season, and it was it was ridiculous. And then all of a sudden, then they relax it, and nobody gets yellow cards for that anymore. Um, so, is it going to be one where for the first few months we see every time the canary? We know we we've got a team with eight eight players because they're all in the sin bin for for chatting back. I mean, I must admit, couldn't could you not use that tactically if you've got a player that's absolutely blowing? And, you know, he needs a bit of a rest. Just go and tell him to mouth off at the referee. Get yourself in the same bin. Ten-minute break. Come back out. 
you know, a bit more relaxed and, and rested a bit, go again. It could actually work in your advantage, funny enough. Uh, I, I doubt, I don't, I doubt the benefit. I don't think they'll do it on purpose. No, I, I know what you're saying. Uh, 10 minutes is a yeah. long time of football. A long, yeah. long time of football. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm just, I don't know where the benefit would be. I'm just saying that you're going to come back a little bit rested if you've been blowing for the last part of you know God knows how long. Especially with the uh, Kiana, maybe wouldn't have had so much of a cram. Um, but look, I, or, be, or maybe I, I, would. I maybe, maybe they'd have to have them. Um, they'd have to have them bikes in there, wouldn't they? Keep your legs going. <laughs> Otherwise, you know what, he'd, he'd, poor Kiana would stand up to get out and cramp up. He'd be on the floor. You know what? It's a it's a good point. Maybe that's what they'll do. Maybe that's what they'll do just to keep just to keep them there, you know. Or I guess it depends on the rules. You know, we're, we're surely they're not going to force you to sit down and uh, you know not be able to get up. You know, you need to keep yourself warm. I think any any physio anyone like that would say that you can't really be sitting still for ten minutes and then go and expect to go and run. The amount of injuries that could lead to. So there must be an element of you know just. A bikes on the side or something. It'd be interesting. That's what I'm saying. I just think 10 minutes is a hell of a long time of football. So to be down to 10 men or Christ, you know, let's say you have an injury, um, you know, midway and they've got to go off for a few minutes, all of a sudden, you know, you're down to nine men and you're really going to suffer then. So I think that's probably the idea. It will stamp yeah. it out very quickly because you will be that punished by, by it. Because the thing is, it, it's a very controllable thing to send towards officials. It's not like you've got in for a tackle and you've mistimed it and it's late. And it was like, well, it was an honest tackle. I've just arrived half a second late and I've caught the player. Uh, it's a yellow card. Or you know, you've... you've it's, it's something like that. It's not as if it's... You have decided in your head, hit the moment or not, you have decided to abuse an official to show dissent towards an official, that is your choice. You've, you you could not you 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 could have not done that. You've decided to. So if you do that, it's your own fault if you're in the sim bin. And if you go in there and yeah. your team lose the game because of your actions, because you were sat on the side of the pitch because of your own stupid mouth, <laughs> then that's that's on you. And when you get in that changing room, you're gonna have a lot of filthy looks, I imagine, from your teammates because you've let them down. And then yeah, like yeah, it, it stamps if it stamps it out, it stamps it out, and there's more respect shown towards officials and less dissent and all that, then I'm all for it. But officials have got to be strong with it as well, because I think sometimes you see them you be absolutely mouthed at and stuff, and you say, just get your card out, ref. You more than you're more than allowed to book somebody when they are being as you're just shouting, you're just vitriol towards you. Just do it. Get your card out. It'll soon stop. Where's the line going to be, though? So is it for any mouthing off? To get... That's just what I mean. It's it's going to depend on, well, on the referee. Exactly. Some refs have got a higher tolerance bar than others, haven't they, with it? obviously it's got to get past yet hasn't it? it's just I think I've had a floated it as an idea they'd like to see brought in it'll probably end up in like the, I don't know, the Egyptian second division or something for a season first to see how it runs <laughs> or you know the under 19s will be playing where they tell something well, it's uh, a bit right. like the VAR um, audio isn't it really because they're on about 
bringing in the the audio where the people at home can hear what the referee's got to say. Um, and obviously the, the fans in the stadium uh, are going to be able to hear what why the decision's yeah. been made as well. So I, I actually so think that's should. a really positive thing. Yeah, so they should. Why can't... It's, I mean, even cricket does it. Do you know I mean, cricket has better technology used than football. <laughs> if you go to a cricket match and they go to like the the uh, the third umpire, or whatever, you will hear over the tannoy the conversation between the on-field umpire and the TV umpire. So why can you not do it at football? <laughs> yeah. So right, let's get into Blackburn. It's about time we look forward now. Let's. Draw a line under Leicester. Let's move forward. Blackbird test. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, Mike, I'm going to throw you some stats at you now, some very, very, very interesting stats this week, even if I do say so myself. So, we have played Blackburn 102 times. We have 40 wins, 17 draws, 45 defeats. We've made 49 trips up to Blackburn. We've had 11 wins there, 8 draws and 30 defeats, so not the best hunting round for us. However, we have a no loss in our last 8 league trips to Ewood Park since 2008. 5 wins and 3 draws. So great recent record there at Ewood Park. However, <laughs> we went there in the FA Cup in 2015, you may remember. I think it was Andy Wilkinson's last professional match, wasn't it? He got a concussion and was never able to play again. We lost 4-1. In that match, we conceded twice as many goals as we had in those eight league games I've just mentioned. So in 2000, since 2008, we've played eight times at Ewell Park in the league and conceded just twice in eight games. We went there once in the Cup when we were in the league above Blackburn at the time and conceded four. <laughs> uh, Stevie Schumacher versus Blackburn, he's had one game, which he won. It was a 3-0 win in September when he was Plymouth manager. Uh, this this season, uh, John Dahl Thomason. Now, as we're recording, uh, he is still in charge of Blackburn, and it is currently unclear whether he will be or not. We've had reports that maybe he won't be in charge, but we'll go we'll go that he still is just for this sake. Uh, John Dahl Thomason versus Stephen Schumacher, same as above, just a one meeting, which was a three 0 win for Schumacher. Uh, John Dahl Thomason versus Stoke. Well, he's met Stoke three times, one win, two defeats. So last season, uh, we did the double over his Blackburn side. Uh, but this season, obviously, he won 3-0 at the Bet365 Stadium. Now, Stoke's away record. We are 16 points. We have accumulated on the road. It puts us 13th in the away table. 
both Steven Schumacher's wins have been away from home. Uh, in the last five form, we've got four points from the last five matches, which sees us 21st in the form table. Uh, we've lost three, uh, three in a row. Four is the season-long run of defeat. So let's hope we're not equaling that this weekend. Uh, Blackburn's home record, they have 17 points from their home games, which puts them 19th in the home table. Since mid-September, though, they have had as many cup home wins as they have in the league. So they've won three cup home games since then, and they've only won three in the league since mid-September as well. So they're not in great form, are they, at home? Uh, last five games for them, they're even worse than us. Only two points from their last eight games, in fact. So over the last five matches, two points puts them bottom of the league. And like I said, they lost the three matches before that as well. So they've only picked up two from their last eight. Now, nobody has drawn less games than Blackburn this season. Only three draws so far. But only Sheffield Wednesday have lost more than their 16 games. Blackburn have conceded 55 times, uh, which is a league high. But Stoke have conceded the 13th most in the league. But only the bottom three have scored less than our 28 goals. Sammy Smodix scored a lot of goals for Blackburn this season. And, you know, joint top scorer in the division. Well, he has scored 38.1% of Blackburn's goals. That is a higher percentage of a team's goals than any other player in the league. Second is Morgan Whitaker, who also has 16. He has scored 33% of Plymouth's goals. So, yeah, if we stop Schmodix, you're stopping quite a lot of uh, Blackburn's potency, it seems. Only Rotherham, whose average crowd is 10,727, have a lower average attendance than Blackburn's 15,257 this season. Uh, might be bumped up a bit, because I hear there's quite a few Stoke fans going out there. There's as many as up to 4,000, apparently. So we shall see. Um, Blackburn are one of five sides uh, not to score a penalty this season. Although I've, they have had one, and Schmodix, of all people, missed it. So, yeah, missed the target completely. Uh, nobody has had more yellow cards than Stoke 78, but nobody has had more than Blackburn's four reds either. So the ref might be... Uh, we'll get on to the ref in a minute, and I'm sure he'll love dishing out his cards. No, he knew he is. Um, but <laughs> he, might have his, uh, he might need a second notebook, judging by that. It, only Rotherham have had less than Blackburn's four clean sheets this season. Stoke have actually managed eight, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, only Sheffield Wednesday have failed to score more times, though, than Stoke. 13 times the Potters have failed to score. Uh, Blackburn have only failed to score on six occasions. Um, Blackburn have conceded a league high nine times from corners, Mike. So they're even worse at defending corners than we are. And scored just three. So that says to me that you know they've only scored three and conceded nine. It says to me that they've got maybe an issue, uh, maybe they've got quite a small side, or I mean they've got quite a youthful side. Maybe, maybe it's that. Um, Stoke have conceded six and corners and scored five. Uh, both clubs are in the top four of switches of play, so that's something to look out for when you look at how the match is going to progress. Both sides look to um, you know switch from one wing to another. And whereas Stoke have attempted most crosses, 635, Blackburn are all the way down in 21st in that table, having attempted just 434 crosses. Um, 
I've got some more stats. I'll, I'll sort of leave them, if you like, until we talk about the match. So I've got a bit on first or, on first goal will be crucial. And also a bit of damage stats on defensive and blocking shots. Referee-wise, Gavin Ward is the referee, not the keeper, the ref. Ooh. <laughs> now, 17 banker, games... Banker, banker. <laughs> he, is, he is very much a Swiss banker. 17 games he's ref this season, 72 yellows, two reds. He's got three penalties, 10 home wins, one draw, six away wins. He's ref both Stoke and Blackburn 13 times. He's given Stoke just 13 yards in them 13 games, but sends two Stoke players off. One penalty for us, no penalties against us. Four wins, six draws, three defeats. To me, I felt that that record was a lot worse than that, I'll be honest. Uh, I think he's just a terrible ref, that's the problem. Um, Black well, every time he better, he wrestles, he gets dropped, doesn't he? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Blackburn, 13 games, 24 yellows, no reds, one penalty for, one penalty against. They've had five wins, five defeats, three draws. Now, he ref Blackburn to their uh, a win away from home against Watford in August. Last season, he ref Stoke twice. So, he refed us in the 4-0 home win against Reading and the 1-0 home loss versus Rotherham. So, yeah, the last match he ref Stoke was 12 months ago when we beat Reading 4-0. Uh, one thing to mention, though, is that, uh, yeah, he's ref seven... Every 13 Stoke games, seven of them we've been away, and those are both. that's where both the red cards were as well in away games. Uh, do you want, just as we were picking up a bit of positivity, the refs brought it down a level. Do you want, on this day, to bring it down a little bit further? Oh, mate, we've depressed everyone enough. Might as well carry on, haven't we? 10th of February 2018. Any idea what that date was? So it was the six-year anniversary on Saturday. It was the anniversary of Stoke That's City 1. Last one again, was it? Oh. Stoke, Stoke City 1, Brighton 1. It's the anniversary of Charlie Adam missing that 90th-minute penalty that probably, if it had gone in... When you talk about momentum and game changes and all that, probably we would have stayed up and who knows where we'd be now. <laughs> but yeah, Stoke won, Brighton won. Adam missed the 90th minute penalty after his little argument with Hesse, wanted to try to steal the ball and take it off him. And then after missing it, he then decided to take an age to tap the rebound in and got tackled by, I think it was Lewis Dunk, was it? Came in and tackled him. Mm. So yeah, that's the six year anniversary of that. Delightful event, which was great. I've just so happened to be my daughter's first game as well. That was first game she ever went. Oh, anyway, what a first uh, game to go to then. <laughs> I know, right? So, uh, we, shall, we talk, shall we listen to some audio? We've got Graham, haven't we? And then we've got Dan from Blackburn as well. Hello, it's Dan from the Rovers Chat podcast. Looking ahead to Blackburn Rovers versus Stock City on Saturday. Well then, uh, if we'd have spoke about this last time we played each other, I wouldn't have had us in this situation. Obviously, Stoke not in much better position than Rovers, uh, but you don't need telling about how that's going. Rovers are in a real real set of a disarray, as I record this on Thursday evening. John Dale Thomason's still our manager, but reports are out that he's going to lose his job this week, and it's looking like John Eustace will take over. So I'm kind of coming into this blind of, will John Dahl even be gone by the time the game's on? If he is, will we have John Eustace in charge, or will we have... 
you know, maybe one of the coaching staff like Damien Johnson in, and that's the the strange thing about looking ahead to this game. If I just approach the match in terms of how Rovers are doing, really poor, I think, a bit of fair example. One win in 11 since the start of December, only beating Bristol City, who then at the time had only just been taken over by Liam Manning and was still learning his way, so... The only win in that time has come against the side that are really struggling, you know, that we're struggling to really adapt to a new manager and we're kind of showing signs. So it's a real worry for Rovers. We're now, after losing to QPR last week in what was a big six-pointer, we've gone from 11 points off, uh, 11 points clear, sorry, of the drops on to five. We play Stortside below us uh, and then we go and play Birmingham on Tuesday night. So we're looking at this next week kind of like, oh my God, where are we? Where are we going to be? And we don't know. A new manager should give us that bounce that you see coming with new managers. He should give us a style where we're hard to beat rather than what we currently are under John Dahl Thomason, which is basically very open at the back. We've got the highest score in the league or the joint highest score in semi Smodics, and we're still struggling and we're still near the drop zone. And that really sums Rovers up at the moment. I think it's going to be a very cagey game. Both sides won't want to lose. I think Rovers will get that victory because I'm hoping we'll have John Eustace in by then. The crowd will be lifted, you know, they'll be behind him. There's been a lot of disarray around the ownership as well, but a new manager, I think, could just take the attention away from that on Saturday and hopefully we can look to the future at the very least. There's a lot of financial issues that I won't go into here because you'd have a 40-minute clip from me, but I'm expecting a game where both sides are cagey, both sides need to know, they, you know, they both know they need three points. I'm dreading now, and he's been back at Ewood after a really disappointing spell here. It'd be just like him to pop up with a winner, but I'll go for Rovers to win. I don't have a clue what's going to happen though. I don't even know he'll be in the hot seat, which sums up everything about this football club at the minute. But we'll have to wait and see. Thank you for having us. All the best for the rest of the season, but hopefully not at our expense. Thank you for listening. Enjoy Saturday if you're going, if you can. I'm sure it'll be a cagey from both fans as well, never mind the teams. Well, here we go again, you Potter's predictors. How difficult it is at the moment to try and get a right result for those in the red and white striped shirts. Well, it's a very important game coming up this weekend as they head up the M6 and to Lancashire, of course, to Ewood Park, where they take on the Blackburn Rovers side who themselves are not in the best of forms either. Troubles off the field, can't sign players, players leaving for big money. All things are going wrong for John Doll Thomason. But things are not going right either for Stephen Schumacher and he'll be hoping that this week's work can bring some fruition come Saturday tea time when they come back from Blackburn Rovers, hopefully with some points on the board. There are two big games coming up, but you've got to be one game at a time. Blackburn Rovers away, first of all, followed by Valentine's night game at home to Queen's Park Rangers. But Stoke City will be focused firmly on bringing back a victory, a much-needed victory as well, to give them some breathing space for them clubs who are really right in the relegation bottom three. So can Stoke do it? Well, they couldn't be having a better time. Surely they've got to get a result. Blackburn Rovers nil, Stoke won. Thank you for that, Graham. And of course, thank you, Dan. So, Mike, where are where's your head at with this game? What are you thinking? Oh, I'm trying to not repeat anything I've already said. Just the first word when you asked me that question was just charity. Honestly, that was the first thing that came to my mind. I just think there's that much on it, and I think there's been that much um, bad blood, bad feeling, and everyone's down the dumps. I just hope that it's almost like a reverse psychology thing, and they turn it round and surprise us and win comfortably. 
uh, and then everyone takes a bit of a sigh. You know, maybe 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 a little mini sigh until we get to QPR. But I'd I'd love that to be the case. I mean, I know Graham's gone one nil. God, it's 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 tricky. I think we we've got to score first. I think that's what it really boils down to. If we score first, I think we go on to win it. If we don't, well, we lose. Would you like me to give you some stats around scoring first? Because yeah, I yeah. I thought that yourself, Xavier. There's a lot. John Dal Thomason. Whether he'll be there or not on Saturday, even if he's still officially the manager, I doubt he'll even be at the game, the way things have been going. I mean, he's been stopped from speaking to the media by the by the owners, Anti, because of they basically they know he's just gonna go and slaughter them. The little chicken farmers that they are. Um they obviously their their, their deadline they did have you heard the story behind the Maguire deal? Obviously we won't have to Maguire, we're with yeah. the striker from the States. And then it was between Sheffield Wednesday and Blackburn. He came over, he flew over, he went to Blackburn. Have you heard the story reportedly why this deal's fell through and why he's not a Blackburn player and why he's had to return to America this week? Uh, well, I've heard the two variations that are doing out there. Either A, the owners have decided that they didn't want to spend any money at all, so they told them to cancel the deal, or somebody forgot to actually submit the paperwork. I've, I've heard both of them. I don't know if we'll ever hear which one's the truth. But, yeah. yeah. Now, the first one, what what lies sort of um, leading to the first one, if you like, is, is the fact the Indian government have changed their rules around money leaving the country to foreign businesses. So Blackburn, Blackburn's owners, obviously the Venkis, uh, are based in India. The money is in Indian accounts and stuff, and then they transfer. Basically, they just hand out month by month to pay the wages. Now, what sort of the Indian government and that has, uh, have said as allowance now is money can leave to keep companies going, but no further investment is allowed. So that would that marry up wouldn't it but obviously there was that big sale on there that you know the the the, uh, the midfielder who joined the young midfielder who joined Crystal Palace obviously brought a lot of money into the club didn't he on deadline day um, whether it was you know they were just reinvesting that money remains to be seen or like you say it could be that now the interesting one <laughs> the second one is much more fun though in that they did the deal they signed it all off everything was agreed uh, high fives all around, you know, celebrations. Deal's got done. We beat the deadline. It's only 10 o'clock. Off he goes. So they all go off to do the, um, the, uh, the, you know, he's, he's sort of, he's stuff, uh, social medias and that, and, you know, get his little announcement video sorted. And they all come back up after the deadline, just pop up back into the, the, uh, the offices and stuff to see all his paperwork sat there on the side not submitted because somebody forgot to do it before they went which if that is true I think that that person's probably on Indeed right now <laughs> having a look around I'd say <laughs> maybe he's really getting in touch with you Mike he's sorting out of a job yeah we need competent people thank you very much so your application's <laughs> under fine there we go <laughs> Um, <laughs> but yeah, that of of the stories, I hope that one's true purely because it's it's much more fun <laughs> than uh, political red tape. <laughs> 
but yeah, obviously you've got that. You've got the ill feeling from that. You've got all this sort of... I mean, the Venkies, uh, there was a lot of protests and stuff. I remember chickens being chucked on the pitch and all sorts when Blackburn were in the Premier League. Um, that sort of went down. I think people accepted them. The fact they keep bankrolling them you know, month after month after month with these huge checks. When they, you know, a lot of owners want to give up by now, people wondering why do they still do it? So I think they were accepted a lot by the Blackburn fans. It may not liked, but accepted and sort of, you know, a means to an end kind of thing. That seems to, uh, the the, the uh, sort of the the hatred towards them seems to be rearing its head again. So there's going to be the, that's possibility. If we can get the first goal, that's going to spark all back up again. Like I say, John Dahl Thomason um, on the verge of being out. Now, apparently some fans wanting to leave because the run of form they're on anyway. Uh, they've got a chief executive, I think, who the fans all want out as well. So it's all got the opportunity there to, to sort of go off if we get that first goal. Now, I promised you these stats and I've waffled on. So, Blackburn, they have scored the first goal 13 times in 29 matches. At home, they've scored it nine times and conceded the first goal six times. They've had no nil-nil draws all season, by the way. Stoke have scored the first goal 10 times, conceded it 16, and there's four goalless draws. Away from home, they scored it five times out of 15. Now, the record when they score first, this is what we're interested in now. Blackburn, when they score first, won five, drew two, lost two, which on average points per game puts them 20th in the home table. So if even if they score first, it's not inconceivable that we can come back and get in that. Stoke away from home, the five times we've scored first, we've gone on to win three times, we've drew one and lost one, which two points per game puts us 14th in the away table. Not too bad. This is the this is the stat, Mike. Blackburn, when they've conceded the first goal at home, they've done it on six occasions. How many points have they gained for them? Six matches when they've conceded the first goal at home. The way you've teed it up, I'm going to say zero. Absolutely spot on. They've lost every single game that when they've conceded first at home, all six of them. That puts them 23rd in that table. Do you know why they're only 23rd? Because Stoke have conceded the first goal seven times at home and have lost all seven games. <laughs> <laughs> so that really is the definition of whoever scores first, and it? Jesus. Yeah, that's at home, though, for Stoke. Away from home, uh, when we've conceded first away, we've come back and won once, drawn twice, but we have lost six of those nine games. That gives us uh, 0.56 points per game, which is actually 12th in that table. So we're not too bad. If you couple that, you know, we away from home, we can come back, it seems. If you couple that with um, Blackburn not being the greatest when they do score first, then that it's not the worst if they score first. But if we score first, then both things are sort of pointing towards a Stoke win, aren't they? Yeah. If we get our first goal, yeah. The, if we can get that first goal, then yeah, it's massive. And we've seriously, I mean, seven defeats from seven. And we're the only club in the division who've not scored an equaliser at home all season. 
So every time we've gone behind, we've not once got back onto let even even got back onto level terms to lose the match again. Not happened all season. That's that is for Tuesday night, Wednesday night, though not this one. We'll 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 come to that when the next podcast. <laughs> we need to sort that one out. Um. So yeah, that's for me. Uh, offside, we've we said the ref. We said the ref might be busy with his cards. Well, the linesman might be busy as well because Blackburn seventy-three times, Stoke seventy, two most offsides. Do you think uh, who's who is? I can't think who, who gets caught offside. I don't Ryan my that much offside was he? There's only one um, playing that far forward, really. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, I can't think actually. That's a good point. We're, ne- we're never we're never that far uh, in the attacking positions, are we? Yeah, I so. would definitely. I wouldn't have had us as a second most off stars in the league. Maybe it's just, maybe no. that's just how modern football is with the amount of build up and you know short passes that go on and you know, build up bit by bit that uh, you don't get as many off sides anymore. I suppose. How many changes are you going to be making to your team? Is there any? Is there anyone from? Is there anybody from last Saturday who keeps the place? Um, yeah, uh, so goalkeeper Iverson always goes back in. I know he's yeah. going for some stuff, but I don't think he's really made many bad decisions. At uh, Junior is back, uh, so as long as he's not ill, then he goes in at right. Uh, McNally, I can confirm, and... so, oh, sorry to put in, I can confirm Junior, he's, he's put a bit on the Stoke. Uh, Website anti this week saying how he enjoys playing for Schumacher, it suits his game, and he is fit and raring to go for Saturday. Oh, good. Well, I've been at work all day, so I've not seen it. I will watch that later. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so junior right back, McNally and Rose, and other two centre backs were dropping Ben Wilmot. Um, bit of a kick up the backside, I think he might, he might need a little bit, uh, just to get himself uh, squared. I think not that either of them two have really been great, but still. Uh, Gooch goes left back for me. Thompson drops out of the team, and then I want um, obviously the three in midfield. You use your imagination on what variation this may be, but uh, Baker and Berger uh, alongside Juno. I think Juno has been relatively consistent. To be honest, I know he's not exactly been assisting or scoring per se, but I still think he's looked bright. And I think Baker will add that you know that passing ability, the bit of solidity. We know Berger. Um, and then it'll be Haksabanovic, uh, May and Campbell. And the only reason Campbell plays for me at the minute is because I don't think we've got anyone else who can really play up there as part of a three. And I still think, at least if he's having a good day, then we we still know he can finish. So I don't think there's anything better we can bring off the bench right now. Um, now, you'll notice that Million isn't in there. I just think that I think well firstly is visa ain't through we won't know I mean by the time this comes out we probably will but as yeah, we sit the, here right now it's not not going to be out updated until sorry, tomorrow sorry to but sorry to button again <laughs> uh, sorry, we, record, we, we record this Wednesday night folks for anyone who not quite picked that up yet um but yeah the club have said that they will be up there well uh, it's been indicated, I believe it was Pete Smith and Sennel said that it will be Thursday. The club yeah. will basically be updating the situation. 
um, there's strong feeling that he, you know, he will be getting it. It'll be all sorted. It's all sorted. It's just the club haven't come out and said it yet. Somebody's forgot to put the paperwork in on time, haven't they? Oh, well. So, <laughs> yeah, imagine that. Uh, but, yeah, either way, like I said, I think from Millionfleet, even if he gets his visa, I, I don't I don't know. I won't put him straight in. I'd still put Axe in first. I think that if he's as good as some people make out he is and, and hope he is, then um, maybe he could be the difference and come on and, and surprise everyone. Uh, he's obviously not... I mean, I don't know if he's allowed to train with us at all while this is going on. I, I'm, I'm assuming he can. Maybe I don't know how the insurance would work on something like that, but if he isn't training with us, that's another reason not to start him either. So, yeah, and obviously Ryan May depends if his, if this fallout's done. I mean, we, we talked about it. You know, if, if Ryan's done something wrong, and obviously I appreciate that if you're being sold, it's not exactly a very nice thing to do. We won't get into that right now. But if it is that he's he's really kicked off to the point where he's taking it too far, then he's rightly been dropped, rightly probably been reprimanded for it because Shuey's obviously only been in a matter of time. If he is seen to let a player kick off in a big way and get away with it, what kind of example does that set? Now, obviously, we don't know if that's the case. If it is the case that they just had a disagreement because, well, he doesn't want to be sold and Schumacher thought he could get some money for him, you can kind of understand it. And if they've fallen out, they've fallen out. But uh, it will be very interesting to see the team sheet uh, when that goes up. Yeah, well, the thing is, right, if it's very coincidental for me. I, I, I'll All cards on the table here. I've not heard anything. I don't know anything. We, we're, we're not in the know, are we, Mike, as such? You know, it's not as if we're saying this or being told anything, just what you hear, listening to interviews, what's said. Keith, the manager came out a couple of weeks ago and said, people aren't training well enough. People aren't training well enough. Standards aren't being adhered to. And that needs to change. Then, reportedly, the week before the start of the week at the end of the transfer window, Ryan Mice people are told to find him in a new club. So you can put two and two together there, can't you? As to what's maybe happened. He's then he's decided he's not going anywhere, he's sticking around. So He's not gone. He's not left. He's still here. The manager is his attitude. He, I mean, without without judging judging the person on on so that I don't know, he does give off that quite laid back vibe. That sort of like, what's five minutes late? What's the big issue? I, I can get that kind of vibe. Maybe I've been unkind to him there, um, but I could certainly see him having that sort of feeling. Um, and you think if he's been late for if it is that he's been late for training or and he's not perceived to be putting the required effort in or not you know non negotiables are just that non negotiables. If he is not adhering to them and not pulling his weight with them, then the manager's got to make that call, has Because otherwise, it, it mean those mean nothing. He's got nothing to fall back on. He's got nothing to to drive people with if. He's allowing people to fall short of them. 
And if it is that, like I say, the guy's being being laced, we don't know this. I'm I'm just sort of putting the jigsaw pieces together. Um, it may be that I've got them all, you know, forced the piece into the wrong <laughs> the wrong place. Uh, but yeah, if if that is the case, then I can understand. And also, I mean, I've seen people criticising you. It's disgusting how he's treating Ryan Mai. Uh, you know, Steven Schumacher is disgraceful and all that. I, I, just think back, right? Over the past seven years, look at people like Embula, Atibo, Hesse, Berahino, Kevin Wimmer, uh, Tom Ince to, to a lesser extent and such. You know, people who really... And I'm thinking, taking the piss out of this football club, let's be honest. And if that, if the manager's coming in and saying, no, that is not happening on my watch, these are standards, then don't complain about all them players doing it and then criticise the manager for, you know, for disciplining a football, uh, one of the current players for doing the same thing. Well said, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I also think when people say like it's, I've seen people saying uh, it's about the club should come out and tell us what's going on. No, they shouldn't. It's really frustrating being a football fan because you don't get anywhere near the amount of information about what goes on. You don't know what goes on behind the scenes. You know, we don't. It's know a workplace the at the end of the day, Dan. Yeah, it's a workplace at the end of the day. If you if you if you had if you had a Barney with your boss tomorrow, would you expect him to go and announce it to everybody in your business? No, you no. wouldn't. Absolutely no. not. You'd, you'd kick up a fuss. You'd go to HR. You put a formal complaint in. Like it's it's a as much as it's you know it's entertainment for us. It's still a business. It's still a job. We we shouldn't be having people called out in public and and stuff like that. I don't think that's a very good way to handle it. And look no. at what's his face who uh, took over the management job. Oh bloody hell, idiot guy. Um, got sacked oh. after after mouthing off and calling out players. Oh my god, Troy Deeney. Troy Deeney. He was in there and obviously you know, a different Don't level, know. but he call he calls people out um and he gets sacked. It's exactly the same principle. You can't do it, you shouldn't do it in any walk of life. Yeah, the, the point of reply I said to the people who were saying that is I said, what club is what club anywhere, the successful or not basket case club or, or, or you know, well run club, none of them anywhere do you see them air the dirty laundry in public. Just doesn't happen. So why? And even the Man United different? situation. When, yeah. when does it ever end in a positive way, Dan? When is it anyone yeah. coming out slating a player ever turned round and gone? Oh, we're so glad we did that. That really improved well, the situation. Yeah. I say it never happens. I can think of two occasions, like you just said there, Troy Deeney, and he got the sack three days later, and Man United, and they they got a what a ninety million pound player, Jaden Sancho, which is now out on loan. After training on his own, yeah, it never works out well. So why, why on earth would you want to go down that route? And also, to new players next season, do you really think new players are going to want to hear about? Oh God, I've had a bad game or a bad couple of games. My manager's going to come out, or such and such, the club's going to come out and start slating me. If I'm late for training, if I'm late for training, if you yeah, want to want a press conference, what the Christ? I think the manager did the right thing. He made it perfectly clear in his post-match his post-match interview. He was asked the question. He went, uh, "Ryan, I think the hail asked him on radio station. Ryan, my, he wasn't in your squad today. Have you got any comments on that?" And he went, "Wasn't selected. Move on." And that 
that says everything you need to know. <laughs> Especially the Tony said, he, he, you know, it, it doesn't fan the flames anymore. He's not gone into details or anything else, but he's let you know that he is dealing with something there, but it's not something that we will be privy to. Yeah, we better move on. <laughs> we, we love going off on a good tangent on this podcast, don't we? <laughs> yeah. Yes, we're getting, we're getting on a bit. Anyway, my team, by the way, uh, you, were, you were doing so well. I mean, I've got Eva said Junior, Manali, Rose. I've got Gooch in brackets. I'd like to say Stevens, but I'm not sure if he's fit. I don't think he is. If he's not, if he is fit, I'm sticking him in there just purely because he is actually a left back. <laughs> Very rare sight one of them these days. If not, then it is going to be Gooch, same as yourself. I've got a midfielder, Baker, John Howard Baker, worse same as yourself. Uh, Campbell is on the right. I've got Million Man Hoof on the left, and I've got Ennis down the middle. Against his old club, especially, I think he. Uh, for me, he's, he's going to have to start. I thought he looked lively when he came on, so a nice start. Um, bench will be interesting. Bonham, Hoover, Thompson, Wilmot, Pearson, Larice, Hacks, Lowe. Uh, obviously, Gooch if Stevens is fit. If not, then I suppose Kundal will have to be on the bench. Otherwise, Kundal drops out the squad for me, although I don't see Stephen Schumacher doing that. Uh, Lorenz back fit, but he just will have to bide his time. Uh, Daniel Johnson with misses out. Ryan Mai for me will miss out still. And also, you'll notice, not on the bench, is Andre Vidigal. Yeah, he's going really off the boil, Andy Vidi. Yeah. Really off the boil. Yes, indeed. Uh, right. We haven't done score predictions, have we? No, I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. Okay. I'm going to go for a 2-1 loss. Right, yeah. Um, and then super six. The end of it. Super six, Mike. Have you remember? Have you got in for this weekend? I do. And for anyone who's wondering, Dan's probably ahead of me now, uh, and that's because I forgot to do it two two attempts on the trot. I don't know what the hell's wrong with me. I don't normally forget. So uh, I thought I better let Dan catch up as what's really happened here. But well, um, you, you picked the right week to miss, mate, because uh, Matt Brown, Glenn Goodwin. Uh, were the top scorers last week with 11 points, which is quite low, isn't it? So well done to you two for getting top scores. But a really tricky six games it's turned out to be. I know there was some like 4-4 draws and and all you know, real big upset results. So there wasn't many points collected. So if you if you was a point if it was a week to miss, you pick the right one. I collected a mere four points last week. Uh, it takes me to two six five. I sit fifty third. Uh, you are on 255, mate, so just 10 points behind in 67th place. Uh, top three, Sean Flanagan is on 332, Michael Gadget is on 319, and Nigel Warham is on 317. Uh, Gaffer, I picked up 55 points, take me to 1622, and I stay in my perennial 36th place. I've been there for about four months. Uh, last week, top score, 131 points for Red Arrow FC which actually moves them up into third place with 2365 overall. Uh, at Thierwood, Joe is in second on 2395, and just two points ahead is Stoke is Bay. So Thierwood, Joe are right hot on the heels of Stoke is Bay now. So, yes, it will be interesting run into the season. Who can be a crowned gaffer champion? Michael, Six Towns Challenge. I did this, and then I, do you know what? I saw something earlier on. 
after I'd done this one, I thought that is next week's six down challenge. That is going to be amazing. Um, so before I hand the, the quiz reins over to you for Wednesday nights, uh, well, the, the QPR podcast will be out on Monday. Obviously, uh, you're who am I? I've got a six towns challenge for you for this one. So I want to know since the year 2000, and obviously this is hot on the heels of Leicester's uh, trouncing hours last week. Who has scored the most goals at the Bet365 since the year two, since two and including the year 2000? Uh, obviously, Stoke are not included in this. Although we might not even make this list. <laughs> How often we score at home? Bloody hell. Okay. Um, I ain't going to be great at this, I don't think. Um, I'll give you three lives. I might need all of them. Okay, well, Jamie Vardy normally likes scoring against Stoke, but I just... <sighs> okay, yeah. go with Vardy, just because that's the oh, first name that's come te- to mind. Sorry, teams. I'll have to teams make it easy oh, for you, teams. Not, not players. Sorry. I, thought you, uh, I don't know okay. if you said teams or players, to be honest. Um, well, Leicester then. Leicester, so they are joint top. There's actually three teams who've scored 19 goals at Stoke since the 2000. Uh, so 19 goals in 10 games, Leicester. We've kept one clean sheet. Obviously, they won 5-0 last week. Uh, we've also conceded two against them on seven of the those 10 matches. Hmm. I don't they know. Like, I, I, I like. knew they'd be up there, but... Okay. Um... Wow, I'm going to think about someone who's... Okay, West Brom? We played them a lot of times. No, West Brom don't make the list. Ah. Ooh. I was just trying to think about the top top teams we've played. I'll make um... it easy for you. Two are Premier League teams currently. Two are championship clubs currently, and one is in League One. Okay, well, yeah, to be fair, I reckon I know two of them now you've said that. So, Premier League team-wise, how about Wolverhampton Wanderers? No. No, oh my God. No. God's sake, because I've got... I've, all right, Sunderland then. <laughs> this could be really bad, this could. <laughs> no, we've got a really good home record against Sunderland, actually. Oh, for God's sake, yeah, mate, uh, this is not my day for this one at all. Um, right. Do you want one yeah, more Yeah, I life? don't know. No, if... I'm trying, who, who scores goals against us at home? Oh, we've got a bad record. Hold on, let me, let me think about this for a sec. It says Taz gone midnight, but let, let me let me just think about it. Mate, I, could, I could barely have enough energy to get through the pod. No, 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 it. it's, it's 23.59. It's not quite midnight yet. Don't use that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you got um, to wait a few seconds. Have I said Sunderland? I have, I have said Sunderland, yeah. I'm um, Oh, mind you. How about Chelsea? Because I know... Yes. So yeah, Chelsea are joint top with 19 from the 10 matches we played against them, obviously the 10 years of the Premier League. We kept two clean nice. sheets, two clean sheets in them 10 games, but we also had two 4-0 defeats. 
Yes. The, that, other, that... the other Premier League team are also on 19 for the 10 matches, and they also beat us twice, 4-0, if that helps. Ooh. I think they may even have beat us 4-0 in consecutive seasons. In fact, I'm sure they did. You see, the only one that came to mind was Everton, but I... Did they beat us four? I remember us beating them, uh, but he Victor Moses' header and stuff like that. I remember that. Um, oh, Christ. This could be where I... I, I imagine living... Oh, for God's sake. We did well against Arsenal at home. Liverpool were a little bit hit and miss. Oh, mate, this is not good for me at all. People are screaming at it and they know the answers to this, and that's fine. Do you want um, to wave the white flag? Wave the white flag. Fill us in, mate. We haven't got time for, for it. Okay, for ages. People, so want, people want to turn the, off. The Premier League club you're looking for, one clean sheet, 10 matches, 19 conceded, two 4-0 wins for them against us. Tottenham Hotspur. Really? Oh, of course. Yeah, Delhi Ali, Harry Kane run right two years in a row, didn't they? Yes, of course he did. And Mr. Uh, you know what? I remember Bale's volley as well into that top yeah. corner. What, what a goal that was. Um, um, he was exceptional. So, so they are the top three, all on 19. Fourth are Cardiff. 18 goals they scored oh. against us in 12 matches. We have kept four clean sheets. But we've also conceded three on four different occasions to Cardiff. Yeah. Including yeah, three when consecutive we were three seasons. Yeah, three consecutive seasons in the mid-2000s. And also, obviously, the 3-3 draw under Michael O'Neill a couple of years ago. Uh, the, the fifth, is that is the League One team you're looking for. It's Wigan. So Wigan has scored um. 16 goals in 12 matches against Stokes since 2000. Uh, we've kept two clean sheets, but there's been four two two draws. So always entertainment, it seems. Plenty of Desmonds around when we're gonna out. And then sixth place. I don't know if this is, I don't think this is a good thing to say, to be fair, but sixth on the list, also with 16 goals from 13 matches, Queen's Park Rangers. Mm-hmm. Oh god, mate. Yeah, I would never have got those at all. That's no. well, we kept three three clean sheets against QPR. Um, we've lost seven times to them since 2000 at home in 13 matches, uh, six of them by one goal. Mm. Doesn't go well okay. for Wednesday, does it? No, it doesn't. <laughs> it really doesn't. Hopefully, but yeah, we're, hopefully uh... we're tr- different trendsetters. We're not going to be charity FC this Saturday, and we're not going to lose one by one goal to QPR at home on Wednesday. It's setting new, this is new Stoke. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it was a, it was a good, it was a good one. Uh, certainly not. I, I just couldn't get close. Unfortunately, I got one. I think I'll, it's one more than I thought I was going to get when you told me what it was. Um, oh well, I'm sure everyone else got what did far think... better than me. Not difficult. It's what it's one of them in it as well. Like when you when you go through and you go. It's tough to see. Then when you get told the answer, it's like Tottenham. They beat us twice four 0 and you go, "Of course they did." And then you're <laughs> like, and then it's like, "Oh, um, Cardiff. They scored three, four times." You think, oh, "Of course they did." I remember that now. It's like 
it, it's one of them once you get to know the answer, it obviously becomes easy. But do you know what I mean? It's like it, it yeah. all clicks afterwards. Uh, but yes, never mind, mate. No six times conquered challenge for you this week. I look forward to my who am I in the uh, next pod. Yeah, well, I think I think it'll be uh, good. I'll, I'll go and try and get us a, a good one. I mean, to be fair, the last couple of weeks with um, six times, I think I've I think I've done it two two times in a row, which is better than it used to be. But um, well. I was due a really shocking one, and I got it. So yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, um, three points for Stoke. Let's let's hope um, that we can sort of turn the corner again, get back to winning ways. And set up for a, a nice Valentine's Day game against QPR on Wednesday. Well, we've got a pod coming out, haven't we, on Monday? We have. So, uh, yes, yeah, no, normal preview. Yes, we're back to our first Monday pod of the year, it is, I think. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's been a while. We had a massive string of midweek games. And, and then you know, Christmas been... was mad, wasn't it? We had loads of oh. Christmas and... We, we've, yeah. we've been chilling. We've been chilling so far in 2024. It's been relaxed and relaxed. <laughs> Thank God my brain can't take any more. Um, so uh, <laughs> it's been too busy at work. So, yeah, no, uh, mate, thanks. Thanks for tonight. Um, we'll go now and hopefully, like I say, hopefully we'll turn this round and come you know, midweek and, and Monday's recording. We'll be talking about a great three points and, and everyone thinks we're going to win the league again. So we'll see. Oh, don't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> right, up the potters. Go on, Stoke. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.